great to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Good to see uh, a number of familiar faces, at least through the masks. Um, Eric had shared with me an interesting dream he had last night that that he got to uh, church one Sunday to preach, and he didn't have any notes uh, for the sermon, and I asked him, Boy, I sure hope that wasn't a prophecy about today. So as I crank up this iPad, we'll, uh, we'll hope that's not uh, the same. So we have been, uh, for those of you who are new with us today or online, uh, we've been going through a, a series um, in Joshua 24. And uh, we've, we've done, this is week four. So uh, three weeks ago we started, Tom started that, um, and we... Um, uh, then we're followed up with uh, Justin in week two, uh, Eric last week in week three, and I tell you what, I am uh, honored to be um, here at Freedom Fellowship. This is some uh, some great preaching. If you missed any of that, I encourage you to go back and uh, see that online. We do have um, both YouTube and Facebook. Uh, we are live uh, today, and uh, we'll always be going forward. But you can also go to YouTube, uh, check out Freedom Fellowship. If you put in NWA, there's a lot of Freedom Fellowships out there, but Freedom Fellowship NWA, and then just follow those dates, and you'll see that this particular series is on YouTube as well. A um, couple announcements. Uh, the Freedom Youth is uh, going to begin meeting regularly on Sunday afternoon starting September 13th. And if you have a handout, you can certainly follow along with me, take that with you, put it up on the refrigerator. I appreciate, uh, Justin, you printing these out. Um, And uh, so 4 o'clock to 5.30 on Sunday, September 13th. Best I can tell, that's next week. So uh, next week we will kick that off. And then Ladies Bible Study, uh, Wednesday, September 9th, that would be this coming Wednesday at 9 o'clock in the Life Center. And so um, that's a 10-week study, and uh, who is leading that? Yes, ma'am. Thank you, Kathy. So Kathy Dozier is going to be leading that, ladies, uh, 9 o'clock Wednesday, September 9th. Freedom Kids, we're still in the process of uh, doing some planning and making sure that we have everything that we need set up COVID-wise for all of our kids and the safety there. So more to come. Uh, but we certainly need volunteers when we get to that point. So if you are interested in that, uh, you can contact one of the elders. Uh, you can contact Justin if you're interested in that as well. So again, today we're going to finish up the four-part series on Joshua 24. Um, before we get uh, too in-depth, I want to talk about um, commemorating. Can you think of any time that you've had some kind of commemoration or that you've participated in some kind of commemoration ceremony or anything to do with commemoration. Anybody want to throw one out real quick? If not, I have one. All right. So there is uh, uh, recently Tom shared with us a, um, an interesting story, and I want to share it with you. It is a, a distant cousin of his. Uh, and the man's name was Hadley Haven. Did I get that right? Did I pronounce that correctly? Hadley Haven was um, at Pearl Harbor. He was on the USS West Virginia. 
when the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor. Um, <clears throat> he was on duty. Uh, he sustained, the ship sustained multiple torpedo hits and sank to the harbor floor. Initially, 107 crewmen uh, were accounted for, but um, when the ship was finally salvaged, um, the Navy personnel recovered the remains of at least 66 additional crewmen, including Hadley, uh, but they were, um, they didn't know exactly which of those remains went with which particular person, and so they put them in this national memorial ceremony, or excuse me, cemetery, um, that is known as the Punch Bowl in Honolulu, Hawaii. And so for years, Hadley was in the Punch Bowl. And in this uh, national memorial cemetery, there is the walls of the missing, and Hadley's name was on there as being one of those in the Punch Bowl. And so, fast forward, 78 years later, two of his brothers were still living, and they decided to uh, send their DNA in and have um, the DNA compared to the folks that were of those 66 remaining in the punch bowl, and they had a match. And so, yesterday... After uh, the body was brought to Tulsa, Oklahoma, the Oklahoma State Patrol escorted his body to the state line where the Baxter Springs Police Department picked it up, and they had a funeral service yesterday for Hadley Haven. That is a huge event. It's a big deal. Some may say it was 80 years. It's a big deal. When, we, when we're able to stop and recognize something so significant, that is commemoration. And so today, as we talk about Joshua 24, Joshua is saying, stop. We've got a choice. This isn't a, a small choice. It's not, a, it's not something we're going to take lightly. This is a big deal. So we're going to talk about covenant. And what that means. And we're going to talk about examples of covenants that we see in the Bible. There's not hundreds. There's not thousands. There's a, a handful or two of covenants in the Bible. They're that significant. We're going to talk about those as it relates to Joshua 24. Before we do that, I'm going to go back and... Um, walk through some of the things that uh, that Tom, Justin, and Eric have uh, have brought us through. Tom talked about how consequential uh, this decision is. Choose this day who you will serve. But for me and my house, 
we will serve the Lord. He gave us a background on Joshua. And let's, you know, the more I learn about Joshua, the more I like Joshua. Joshua was an ordinary guy. He wasn't a royal kind of a guy. He was an ordinary guy. He was Moses' right-hand man. We know that he was one of the 12 spies. We know that he, um, <clears throat> along with one other, had fantastic things to say about what God had promised in the promised land. We need to go. And we know that the 10 said, no way, these guys are giants. This is not a good idea. So we know they didn't go, and for every uh, day, it was 40 days, for every day there was a year, and for 40 years they had to wander in the wilderness before they were able to proceed into the promised land. Who led them into the promised land? It was Joshua. Joshua led them into the promised land. Those who had uh, gone against God's promise didn't get to go to the promised land. So now Joshua is leading them to the promised land. We know that once they are in the promised land, and they, I think Tom put it, they were part of the Exodus. In uh, Exodus, they, they were a part of that. Once they are in the promised land, you remember the first city they come to is Jericho. Um, they had uh, certainly been training for... Uh, quite some time. And what is it about Jericho, the battle of Jericho, that was so overwhelming? Was it the military extravagance? Was it the armor? First day, they march around the city. Second day, third day, all the way through the sixth day, they march around the city. And then the seventh day, drum roll, they do the same, and then they blew horns, and they yelled loudly. I don't know about you, but uh, of all the military battles that I've ever studied, I'm not the history guy, by the way, but uh, Grayson, where'd Grayson go? I don't see him in here. Oh, behind the camera. Hey, bud. I don't know of any other military battles where a horn and screaming had such a significant impact, but the walls fell down. In fighting, they started fighting themselves, and all of a sudden, not just at Jericho, but from then on, everyone in the land knew that Joshua was a man of God and someone to be feared. God is with him. He's got it going on. And so... His faithfulness set the stage for Joshua and for the people of Israel. Justin then took us back to um, verse 14, and it says, Fear the Lord, serve Him in sincerity and in truth. Put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. He talked about fear not being a threat, but that fear means to have an honor and a reverence for God. It is an awe and a wonder and amazement. That's the fear 
that we're talking about. An amazement. Justin walked us through idols being something someone puts before themselves in a way that causes them to stumble in iniquity and it being an item of the heart. He talked about the potential idols, phones, family time that comes before God, the activity part of that that impedes worship, elevating anything, whether it be our spouses or our kids or our hobbies or anything that is a priority over God, whether it be money or TV or politics or government or this COVID thing. Eric led us into the family in a, in a time of crisis. And uh, last week, he shared with us again, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He talked about Joshua having three hats, the leader, the challenger, and the choice maker, that in our homes, in our families, as Christians, we should be the spiritual leaders, we should be the spiritual challengers, and we should be the spiritual choice makers. Joshua brought families together. Eric said the relevance today is just as much as it was back in Joshua's day, and I agree totally. He said we make decisions, then our decisions make us who we are. He walked us through how we view things in today's world as compared to how God would view them. He talked about people living together without being married, the murder of babies, perverted lifestyle, soft porn, political correctness. Not topics that are easy to talk about because sometimes it steps on people's toes. But I can tell you this, it's not just his opinion. It's straight out of the Word of God. One of the things that Eric uh, touched on is we talked as a family that, uh, that, was, um, that hit home when he said, are you being as diligent at protecting your family from sin as you are in protecting them from COVID? We wear masks to protect us from COVID. What are we wearing or what are we doing to protect our families from sin entering in? So now we come to the latter part of Joshua 24. And we're going to pick up after we just left verse 15, which says, uh, Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my household, we'll serve the Lord. So I'm going to pick up at 16 and read through 28. If you want to turn to Joshua 24, we're going to pick up again at uh, verse 16. And it says, Then the people answered, Far be it from us to forsake the Lord to serve other gods. It was the Lord our God himself who brought us and our parents up out of Egypt from that land of slavery and performed those great signs before our eyes. He protected us on our entire journey and among all the nations through which we traveled. And the Lord drove out before us all the nations, including the Amorites, 
who lived in the land. We too will serve the Lord because He is our God. Now remember that Joshua, in the first part of Joshua 24, he had reminded them of all of the amazing things that God had done for them. And so now they are saying, yes, I do remember some of those things. Joshua said to the people, you are not able to serve the Lord. He is a holy God. He's a jealous God. He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, he will turn and bring disaster on you and make an end of you after he's been good to you. But the people said to Joshua, no, we will serve the Lord. And then Joshua said, you're witnesses against yourselves that you've chosen to serve the Lord. Yes, we are witnesses, they replied. Now then, throw away the foreign gods that are among you and yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, we will serve the Lord our God and obey him. On that day, Joshua made a covenant for the people. And there at Shechem, he reaffirmed for them decrees and laws. And Joshua recorded these things in the book of the law of God. And he took a large stone and set it up there under the oak tree for the place uh, near the holy place of the Lord. See, he said to all the people, this stone will be a witness against us. It has heard all the words the Lord has said to us. It will be a witness against you if you are untrue to your God. Then Joshua dismissed the people, each to their own inheritance. The challenge from Joshua is make a choice. Today, make a choice. Make it now. And it's such a significant choice, we're going to commemorate it. And this commemoration was the covenant. So we're going to talk a little bit more about covenant now and exactly what does that mean. It's one word in Joshua 24, but the significance is huge. Covenant has more significance. Some some people may say that a covenant is a contract. I think if I were to look at the dictionary version, it would say that it's a binding agreement or contract is a law. It's an agreement in writing. It's uh, a particular clause in an agreement. It's uh, an action in which damages were sought for breach of a sealed agreement. But it's more than that. It has more significance than just a contract. It has more significance than just an agreement. It carries consequences. I have a contract with a vendor. Um, We agreed to certain things verbally. Uh, We we made a lot of those uh, onto paper. And now, after... Uh, we're ready to get everything done. Uh, they're trying to change what our agreement was that we had talked about and structured, but it wasn't exactly said that way in writing. And so they think they're fine because they're not dishonoring the agreement, the contract. And in my mind, it's more about the spirit of the agreement than it was what actually was in writing. And so you may have a contract on paper, but it only can go so far. And so this is so far beyond a contract, this covenant, and there are consequences to not honoring the covenant. 
when we look at the, there's actually two Hebrew words that create this word covenant. The first one is bereth, which um, does actually mean covenant, but there's another one together, kareth, K-A-R-A-T-H, that means to cut off or cut down. When it is separate, then it literally does mean like to cut down trees, um, but kareth uh, in with bereth is this cutting of a covenant or creating a covenant. And so um, we see in ancient text that um, in this covenant context, it's not an unusual thing to have those two words together when we're talking about this uh, cutting of a covenant or making of a covenant. There's typically two types of covenants. Uh, when you have a covenant with equal parties, that's called a parity treaty. And those would be uh, things like marriages um, or contracts themselves. And there's always something about a covenant that you will find that is significant. And that is there's a sign that demonstrates that covenant. Here's the sign of the covenant between Carrie and I. 26.3 years ago, approximately, we gave each other these signs. It's a demonstration of that covenant. It's a sign of that covenant. And you'll find the same thing when you go back and look at covenants. We also see that those same covenants had signs as we study those in history. There's a second part, the unequal parties, if not just an equal party, but unequal parties. Uh, you may have read suzerain vassal treaties. Uh, maybe that you think is just for the theologians, but when we have an unequal treaty, it's not equal parties. Um, that is when God is giving his covenants, it would be considered a suzerain vassal treaty. He lays out blessings and curses as a part of those covenants. So covenants have lasting signs to commemorate this big deal that we're talking about here. There is a um, uh, either a ceremony uh, in the case with Joshua 24. What signs did he use to commemorate this covenant? He put stones up, right? So those stones commemorated this covenant, and it was the sign for everyone to see that, in fact, we had a covenant. When you go back and look at uh, a number of covenants in, uh, in the Bible, mostly in the Old Testament, we have the Edenic covenant. That was the promise to Adam of uh, offering fellowship with God if Adam didn't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The tree would have been that sign. We know that the fall of man happens. We know that um, they get another promise of the seed that will crush the serpent. And that is some called the Adamic covenant or Adam-ic covenant. We then have the Noah-ic covenant. And that one is in... Um, Genesis 9, 
What is the sign of the Noahic covenant? The rainbow. So what story are we talking about here with regard to this covenant? God was furious with the people. He chose those who he was going to save. They go into the ark. And then the covenant comes when he says, I'm not going to wipe off humanity ever again. And I'm putting a rainbow up to sign that that covenant I will always honor. That's the Noahic covenant. Then we have the uh, Abrahamic covenant. In Genesis 12, the Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. And I'm going to stop right there. Why would he want Abraham to move out of his country? His father, Terah, was worshiping idols. He didn't want any part of that. He's moving him away to a place where he can be rid of idols. He can focus on God alone. And this Abrahamic covenant, verse 2 says, I'll make you into a great nation. I'll bless you. I'll make your name great, and you'll be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. In Genesis 13, in verse 14, it says, The Lord said to Abram after Lot had parted from him, Look around from where you are to the north and south, east and west. All the land that you see I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth, so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring would be counted. It then goes on in, in chapter 15, and it says, uh, the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Don't be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram says, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant at my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son who is, in your, is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. He also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take to possess it. Goes on in chapter 17, that continued covenant with Abraham. And we know that that Abrahamic covenant um, is all part of God's plan. It was a huge event in the history of mankind and certainly in the history of Christianity. When we see what is the sign, if we look back in chapter 17, um, in verse 11 it says, or in verse um, 10, this is my covenant with you and your descendants after you, the covenant you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision. It will be the sign of the covenant between me and you. Again, there's a sign. Now, that doesn't necessarily make sense to us today because we dress differently than they would have back then. There would have been, if you think a lot about it, you think about uh, the Roman gymnasiums where they were naked in those uh, areas, then something like that, and I'm not going to go into a lot of detail because we've got a, a mixed crowd of, of kiddos and, and adults as well, but if you think about um, the significance, that sign people understood. 
if you look at it today, there's a lot of things that have happened as a result of that um, that uh, circumcision, which is if you look back on um, Muslims that go all the way back to Ishmael, where did Ishmael even know about that particular thing? You look at history and you know where this came from. Today may be more about um, about medical reasons that were discovered in the 18th and 19th century, century than it was about religious reasons, but that was the sign for those days for that covenant. Then we have the Mosaic Covenant. The Mosaic Covenant is uh, covered in Exodus 20 through 31. I'm not reading all those, obviously, but you know the story, and that is um, the sign, you might think, are the tablets. Um, others point out that that sign is the Sabbath because they were keeping the Sabbath. That was something different than they had done for all to see. And so we have the Mosaic Covenant. We also have the Davidic Covenant. The Davidic Covenant um, is covered in 2 Samuel 7. It's also in 1 Chronicles 17, if you want to make a note of that. And you're welcome to go to those locations. But here's the thing about the Davidic Covenant. Um, God promises David that his son would build the temple for him and that there would be a guarantee of an eternal ruler that's coming through David's lineage. The reality is, yes, Solomon, his son, was the one who built the temple. It wasn't David. But then this eternal ruler was also from the lineage of David, the son of David, the son of God, Jesus Christ. And so we have the Davidic covenant. We also then, if we move to Jeremiah 31, verse 31, it says, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant. This is Jeremiah prophesying about a new covenant with the people of Israel and the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. Jesus talks about this, about the new covenant in the Last Supper in Matthew 26, verse 27, when he says, Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sin. Jesus is the new covenant. Covenants are not just promises. They are not just contracts. They are such a significant choice that they are to be commemorated. So I bring us back to Joshua 24. Joshua is saying, you got to make a choice. Remember, he is the leader of the Israelites. And rather than just let them do their own thing, he is saying, stop. We got to make a choice. You can't have both feet 
in two different boats. You're either with God or you're against Him. Choose today. And it's not just a choice. He wants to commemorate that choice because that is the significance of this choice for us. That commemoration is the same for us today. It is such a significant choice for us today because that covenant that we're covered under as well, it's the same choice. Choose today who you will serve. For me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, I thank you for for covenants. I thank you for your promises. I thank you for all of the things that you have done, not just in our lives, but in the lives of those who came before us since the beginning of time. We see your presence. We see the covenants that you made. We see the amazing and awe-inspiring events that you and only you could do, that you've had your plan in mind all along. Father, I pray that we would have a fear of, and that we do it now. For those here today, and for those watching online, if you have made that choice or are making that choice today, every eye closed and every head bowed, I'd ask you to raise your hand in affirmation that you've made that choice. That you will serve God. Choose who you will serve today. I dare say, Father God, that may be the most significant covenant that we ever enter into with you. Father, I praise you for your openness, for your grace and your mercy, and for the relationship that we get to have through your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for covenants. Thank you for your plan of salvation for all of us. Thank you for revealing that in your word. It's all these things that we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.